As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Today on the show, we welcome Blade Cotelli, who's a senior lecturer at MIT and the leader of the Advanced Concept Lab at Sonos. Now, you may have heard Blade on our last episode, We Effed Up, and his story about the audio software that he designed that was unfortunately used on 9-11, his successfully, his competitors not. Uh, But today we talk even more about product strategy, how he defines the problems that he's solving. And honestly, it it sounds like poetry. So this is a must listen for anyone working in product, anyone that has to pitch a product, and anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about Sonos. This is a good one, so stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. 
My name is Blade Catelli, and I am a senior lecturer in the School of Engineering at MIT. I teach a class on design thinking and leadership to engineers in the entire institute. I am also the leader of the Advanced Concepts Lab at Sonos, where we define the future experiences that Sonos will uh, will be um, creating. Yeah, very nice. Um, so tell me a bit about how you came to to this, right? Like, like sure. give me your story. quick career path. Yeah. Oof. What's more important? Is it more important to know what got me there because of how uh, of, of how I discovered that and, and what the background was? How about this? I'm going to tell you two stories. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, my my parents. Um, really shared a lot of the world with me, and they okay. treated me like an adult in, in the right ways. Um, my mom, ballet teacher, ballet dancer, professional dancer all over the world. My father went to MIT, worked for NASA on the Apollo missions and other things. Where did you, you guys live? In Arlington, Massachusetts, okay. right next to Cambridge. Okay. And you'd think that my mom would be the creative type, and my dad would be the analytical type. Yeah. It's not true. So... My dad didn't even go to his graduation at MIT because he thought, oh, I, I learned all about math, but I don't know anything really about math I've learned. Okay. He's the creative one. Okay. And my mother was the one who's much more uh, analytical and process-driven because she has a ballet school, and the students have to rehearse, and they have to get uh. to And it's procedural, how you train and teach from age four up to age 18 okay. to turn out professional dancers. With this intersection, this overlapping intersection, you're in an environment where you see the world, and you see both parts. The analytical and the creative, the emotional and the intellectual, and you extract a lot of meaning from that. So I was lucky enough to find out about the human factors program at Tufts when I was in high school, okay. and that was it. I'm like, wait, it's psychology and engineering. I can learn how people see the world, because you know, as a teenager, you want to know how the world works. Yep. yep. And then you can do it in a rigorous way with engineering, all in service to designing things that improves people's lives. That's it. That was for me. So I did that program, and... I looked for a job at a school, and I got this job doing usability testing for a speech recognition system called Wildfire. And it was the first thing, like voicemail on steroids. Okay. And it was amazing. It was, it was 1997. Okay. It was like nothing else. <laughs> and I was doing usability testing, which I really hated, because <laughs> I don't want to test these things. But you have to do that, because you don't you you know, get other skills, right? No yeah. other skills. Yeah. I tested it, and I learned a tremendous amount that, in that process for a year and a half. And then I went to this other company where I designed, and that was it. My whole career was all about designing. And what I really believed was that my training was, tr- was right. Once you learn how to design one thing, you can apply it anywhere. And prior to that, I didn't you know, a lot of work in music and composition, writing music, and trying to be creative that way. And designing a speech system was kind of like music. It existed in time. Right. And then eventually, after many years in that field, I thought, I'm going to try to test my metal somewhere else. Let's go to web and hard stuff. Search information access. And from there, I did a startup for video production. And from there to um, security software. And from there to social robotics. And now to smart speakers that fill your home with music and turn silent homes into soulful homes. Okay. (laughs) And it's all the same process. It's always the same thing over and over and over again. And it's it's what you find out in life. And if you get to the core and you really understand the core of something, you can use that over and over and over again. So tell me, what is the thread in design that's allowed you to, you know, work on anything? It's um, it is the belief and understanding that 
all design that's really great mm-hmm. serves to help with basic human needs. Okay. The need to be loved, the need to be understood, the need to control. These are our basic human needs. And every great design does that. Whether it's the need to be understood and you you say, boy, the customer service at Zappos is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and why? Because they understood me. Right. I talked to a person, they got it really quickly, and they helped me out. I, I feel I feel loved by them. Right. They said, we've upgraded your shipping to over. Fantastic. <laughs> I feel loved and understood. Whoa. That's why it's so good, right? These basic human needs to feel like you're in control of a situation where, you know, you, you call up American Express and you're like, uh, I have this problem with this thing and this merchant. No problem. We got it taken care of. <gasps> I have control over my world. Even technologies where you can use them at distance, like I can use my voice to tell an Alexa speaker or something at distance. I have more control. I have to get up to do it. And that I feel more powerful. Um, that's it. It's all about addressing basic human needs. Yeah. And every single product does this. Every right. single one. When you go to get a bespoke suit on Savile Row in London, you do that because you have the need to control, the need to be understood, all the people to see you in a certain way that you get to project. Right. So how do you, like, let's talk a bit about Sonos, um, the soulful home. How do you go about testing that, right? Yeah. How do you go about trying to experience what your customers experience and understand their frustration around you know, either the product, but maybe how it makes them feel? We have an amazing insights team. Okay. And they really work very hard to synthesize both the, uh, the numerical data and the, the, the almost inarticulable data, where you have to synthesize from people's gestures and comments and body language mm-hmm. and feelings. And we go to people's homes, we do ethnographic research, okay. and then we use the product ourselves. And we compare those two. And we have really interesting discussions at a very, very deep level about these core fundamentals. What does it feel like for us to use when we're in an unguarded moment? What does it feel like to mm-hmm. look at over a spectrum of designs and issues where we know certain customers will have certain issues in certain situations? And how do we help them? And what's the right way to solve those problems? And then we see it in real life. And we bring that data back into the company and we share it with really deep, meaningful insights. Mm-hmm. It's not simply the numbers go up and down right. quarter to quarter. Uh, and that's what allows us to do it. It sounds like you're you're speaking an emotional language about you know when you're looking you're using a physical product but you're speaking about it in, in using a, a very emotional language. Is that how could you not? Yeah, we take a home where you're listening to music by sticking your phone in a cup, and that's how you're amplifying your sound. <laughs> right. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and we say, look, try this thing out. You have control at distance over many speakers, over your whole home. You can hear music in a small, intimate way mm-hmm. or everywhere. You can have a party. You can synthesize. You can take every music service you have and in one place have more control. Of, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it changes every, the, whole, the whole dialogue has changed. And this is recognized from the top to the bottom. It's a very cohesive understanding about people and the technology and society. And this is the part that most people forget. Yeah. Most people are trying to solve problems where they say, look, I've got a business need, I've got a customer need, I've got technology opportunities, I, I push this together and I get, a, I get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And they forget society. And they forget the impact of society. An idea that wasn't good a few years ago can be really good now. Yeah. And they don't realize the influence of, of, and changes that we're going through that are so rapid. It's changing so quickly. Every minute, 
there's something happening where someone's having a new understanding about a meme, an emoji, an idea. Yep. And by being sensitive to these, not just the perturbations in the system, but the long waves, to see over time where society is moving and trending towards and hitting that moment and hitting the next moment. That's, that's what we do at Sonos. Are, are you measuring things like, I mean, the revenue is, is the obvious, right? But what are you measuring to get the satisfaction of those data points? Well, you, I, you know, revenue is a byproduct of doing what you should do. Yeah. The, what we took, we take a look at everything. There's, you know, there's NPS scores, things like that that you mm-hmm. use. Um, there's our, our customer service team, which is amazing. It's shockingly good. Okay. They're just, they're, they're just they, they care about the product, they care about the experience, they care about the customers. Yeah. When people call in, they take care of them. It's just remarkable. It's unlike anything else. <laughs> right. And they, they work vigilantly to solve your problem. And we have a belief that we're going to have these speakers in people's homes for many years. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, we'll, we'll come up with a new release. This is hardware. Yeah. We don't just fix it the next time that you go to the website. It's in your home. Yep. And you put a lot of effort to buying that. It's not a free service like Gmail. You can just you could switch to something else. Yeah. You took your hard-earned cash because you believe that we care about you, that we value your experience, that we want to place the right thing in your home for the right task to have an amazing, shockingly good acoustic experience tied in with all the technology and all the partnerships and all that work we've done to make a system that works. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I, I'd like to hear, how do you articulate the problem that you solve for, for people? Because there's a reason, right? They go to the store and they buy Sonos instead of Sony or Philips, right? You know, we solve a few problems, I think. And we, we do think about taking a silent home and making it soulful. Mm. That's, 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 at the, that's at the core of it. Yeah. We think about the people who, who care about this. And they can be anyone from Philip Glass, who uses Sonos yeah. in his home, to someone who's 25 years old and has an apartment and just wants phenomenal sound because they love music. And they just want a way to experience it out loud in a meaningful way, where when the phone rings, it doesn't interrupt the music. Right. <laughs> right? We're using Wi-Fi technology. It's completely different. Um, and that, that at the core of that problem space are many moments it's moments where someone's sad and they want to hear a sad song fully. And in doing so, they get through that emotional moment. Or they're joyous and they're celebrating together. And they want to be with their family or with their friends and create a moment. Mm. Or there are people in different parts of an environment each doing their own thing. And we let that happen too. And so it's this tremendous flexibility and this openness, this glass-nosed, yeah. towards music services that we integrate with to bring all this acoustic content to you so that it fits in your life. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to hear it in, in those words, right? In that, in that frame. It's wonderful that it's to, very human. to work on it. it yeah. It is very human. It's, you know, it's, there's so many more layers of complexity to this. It's not just a speaker. Right. We're not simply moving air. Yeah. Um, but boy, do we move air well. I mean, <laughs> holy moly. You know, we have this technology that we call TruePlay. And TruePlay, um, when you set up your speaker, it asks you to TruePlay it. You, you, it makes noises and you move your, your phone up and down around the room. Okay. It takes a whole bunch of readings and then recalibrates the speaker so it sounds just fantastic. Oh, interesting. Now, what's interesting about this is it does two things. 
you make the speaker better and the speaker gets better for you. Like you work together with the speaker, you create this moment. It's actually a wonderful bonding moment. Um, and just one of my uh, team members, she said, you know, I, put, I took one of the speakers, the small ones, and I put it in the bathroom because I really wanted to have music in the morning. I never thought about that before. Yeah. So I put it, took it out of the living room, put it in the bathroom, and I didn't have a place to put it because it there's not a lot of space in, in her bathroom. So she put it kind of in this little place on the floor. She said, boy, it sounded really awful. She said, well, then I thought to true play it. And she did. It said, it sounds amazing. I'm like, exactly. People don't even know this. People don't know it because for us, it's just a matter of course. We're just going to do this along as we're set up. Yeah. We don't need you to A, B it. We just want it to be always great for you and have it just work. Yeah. We don't need to, to drive a message about that. And that's at the core. We, we move air really, really well. It's just surprising sound out of every one of these packages. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, Tell me, you had a story about 9-11 and some of the work that you did for, was it American Airlines? United, United Airlines. United, yeah. United. Um, would you mind kind of walking me through sure. uh, the work that you were doing and, sure. and the results? I was working at a speech recognition company. We were helping uh, companies put speech recognition on their, their telephone lines. So it replaced an IVR system, a touchtone system. It's our first really big thing, and it's for... United Airlines, it's going to be the largest scale deployment of speech recognition technology in the world. It's the late 90s. And we're making this flight information system. So no longer you're going to press buttons for the flight number. You can just say Boston, mm. Cleveland, tomorrow afternoon. And we're going to have a system that's so good, it's going to speak to you in this beautiful way. And so when I was developing this, I, I thought I have this concept called, called experience center lining. It's spending a lot of time up front, figuring about the center line of that experience. And so in that, I spent all this time thinking, what should it sound like? How should it feel? Uh, every system has a female voice. Let's use a male voice, like a pilot. United Airlines, you kind of think of a, of a male figure. So let's find the great male voice, say, welcome to United Airlines, and make you feel like you've landed in the right, right. place. Work really hard to craft every single word and speak to you at speed, not treat you like you're an idiot, like all these touchdown systems. Talk so slowly, and they say ridiculous things like, our options may have changed, but they may not have changed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that. It's awful. It's the worst. So let's treat everyone like they're smart. That's the difference. So we did. Um, we made this great system. And, and as I'm going about the design process, I said, okay, now how are we going to handle the tough things? Mm -hmm. Like if a plane goes down. I said, we don't talk about this. What do you mean you don't talk about it? Look, at United, we don't talk about planes going down. Doctors don't talk about death on the operating table. I said, I understand that, but, but you, you kind of got to talk about it. I mean, parts of your organization does. They said, no, we don't. I said, of course I do. You, your insurance rates are set on number of acceptable deaths per year. They didn't even know that, the people I was talking to. And I kept working to advocate, saying we should do the right thing. Because at the experience, at the center of my experience, in my mind, we handled every single person the exact best way we can. So I keep advocating over the course of many weeks. We finally get to United Airlines headquarters. And I learned that there are special big rooms that are empty, call center rooms that are empty. They put their best agents on when there's any problem. Shut down a bunch of airports. Because of snow, their best agents get into a room and they handle them because they can see everybody and, and they can handle all these problems. And they do a great job of it. I said, I want some access in case something goes wrong to, to these database codes. You must have some codes. Yeah. They said, look, we don't even know. I said, I'm at headquarters. Can we get the database people in here? Okay, fine. They got them in at lunchtime. How many codes do you have? About 150 or some number like that. Yeah. Really? But I don't know too many. Yeah, you only know like eight or ten of them. Like departed, arrived. Canceled, delayed. Right. Um, 
But they're a bunch. They know, like, if the plane is at the gate, but the jetway has not extended, they know. It's a code. They know everything. But they, it's really wonderful. There are three Mayday codes. I said, well, I want access to that. I want to be able to do the right thing, which is to do a transfer to those special groups without anything in between. Get them right to the people who need it. They said, we can't give it to you. Why not? We've got a three-tiered architecture. The database speaks to the middleware layer. It strips out all that stuff and sends it out to the agent screens, the screens in the airport, the phone system, the website, etc. But here's what we can do in this situation. We can do the right thing. We have an opportunity to do the right thing because that was the center line of the experience. And they said, look, it's going to take us weeks to do a special connector for you. And it can take you weeks to do. And it turns out we're going to lose money in the process. Okay. And thankfully, my company that I worked for and United did it. And we took the hit to do the right thing. Yeah. We had great leadership who understood the value of adhering to the center line, even though I didn't have those words back then. And unfortunately, on September 11th, it worked. And people called up and asked about Flight 93. And it said, I think you're calling about Flight 93. Is that correct? Yes. Hold on. Let me get you someone who can help. It transferred someone to the, to the right call center. American Airlines, uh, we tried to sell to, and they didn't want to buy from us. Okay. And uh, what they did was they had a company reverse engineer my system. Reverse engineer it word for word for word. Everything. Not doing the basic work to, to establish an experience center line for what it meant for them. And not only, you know, my, my system for United was lauded in the New York Times. It said, this, this reporter said, by the time you finish, finish using the system, by the time you finish using the system, you'll want to take the voice to dinner. <laughs> right? It was wonderful because it treated people humanely right. and quick. It was really wonderful. Not only did they not talk about that system, but when people called American on that day, it said that flight is in the air. And someone thought someone was safe who wasn't. This is what happens when you're a designer. You have the opportunity to create moments that are really wonderful, even if they only occur rarely, or maybe never. Because that center line that drove those moments drive everything else as well. And that's, that's the power of, of great design yeah. and about great experience. And when you create the right vision for everyone to understand the value of that, it connects engineering, marketing, sales, project management, manufacturing, everybody, because they're all driven to support that right effort. And you take that time to do that, that work at the beginning where there's almost very little output. Mm-hmm. You don't see much happening that first phase. You know, I can't show you the thinking I did. I can make things up because I, I learned eventually to make things up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't tell the truth. You lie. How far are we along with the project, junior designer? Oh, um, uh, we've done these four things. Whoa! But we've got a list of 25 things. We're never going to get done. Senior designers know how to lie. Well, we've reinvestigated the personas. We've, <laughs> we've, uh, we know what we're not going to do. Right. We'll use some metaphors. <laughs> we'll take an hour to talk about two points off the, off the list of 10. You'll think, wow, if they spend that much time on those two points, the other eight got to be great. <laughs> um, and, and as a result, uh, uh, that's how you get your time to do your deep thinking. Because once you've done that, 
The second half is so fast. Mm. You get right into it, and the second half is super fast. At that point, you are all aligned. The communication's faster. You know what you want to do. You know why it's important. And everyone works together to create that incredible thing, and they feel better about what they've created. They feel more proud. And when they see people using it, it is a material difference. And it is the material reflection of all that work you did at the beginning to define the center line of that experience. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. It's project management. I mean, it's like, it's everything. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, well, uh, I don't even have anything <laughs> else. I mean, that is more than I, I even expected. Well, tell me where can we keep up with, with you mm. and, and the work you're doing at Sonos and, uh, and MIT? It's a great question. Oh, is there anywhere? <laughs> I'm working on my second medium post right now. Okay. You know, th- these kind of th- these kind of thoughts. I, I'm not the first person to think about this, um, but people articulate it in different ways, yeah. in different in, in different yeah. environments. So I'm trying to I'm trying to make a, a structure for many people to understand and to helpfully change the way they operate. Yeah. Um, to give permission to those designers to say, "Hey, hold on, I'm going to take this time to do it." Um, so my forthcoming post will will be about this. Um, I probably have a lot of posts on this because I think it's an important topic. Yeah. Um, if you want to see my work at Sonos, just uh, just keep your ears uh, posted to the Sonos website and, and announcements. And uh, over time, um, you'll see a lot of incredible things. Yes. Yeah. It's an incredible company that cares about people in different ways than anyone else in the field. And you'll see that our products are the material reflection of, of our care for these people. And... Uh, if I work at MIT, people can take professional education courses in the summertime. <laughs> I do professional ed course. Can you? Can can people sign up? Yeah, anybody can sign up for professional education course in the summertime. Okay, a couple of days in the summer, and there's a couple of days in January. Okay, um, and they can learn more more of these techniques and more depth. And have yeah. about it. If you want to find out more about Rocketship.fm, go to Rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. We, You could sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple days. Yeah.